Hi, hey everybody, it's uh, Scooter Saturday night, I'm going to do a little episode here. Uh, I got this idea after talking to Allison uh, B, Allison B, C, B, C, so thank you Allison, but I was thinking about, uh, we were kind of talking and I was joking about what would happen if, because I guess this is your fear I have of someone kind of copying the show uh, that's maybe... They, they're better at it than me, and they put in l- less work. Uh, so my goal with this show is, you know, the, the work, it just seems effortless, you know, so the work goes on behind the scenes. But, I'm, you know, I'm always afraid, you know, if, uh, I don't know. And so I was talking to Allison, and I was kind of weird, joking about it, and then I was like, wait a second, I never talked about uh, the, the, the court, you know, there's that thing called great courses, right? You heard of that? I think you can buy it on airplanes or uh, you could get it in magazines. I've seen it before. I mean, for me, it just becomes, I, I think my brother might have subscribed to it. And I said, well, that's, they said, I wasn't so great when I had the courses the first time. And I said, one day, you know, I'd like to be the kind of person that could do that and listen and appreciate it. But then I started, to, you know, daydream. And I said, well, I, well, I got a great course or two. And, well, I got a good course. Or, and I said, well, they see, it seems like they must be making money at this great course thing. I got to get in on it. Just like the porpoises, you know, with their multi-level marketing, I got to get in on the ground. Well, I guess this isn't the ground floor because it's, but I said, well, let me pitch great courses. And I was thinking about, you know, competition and people, you know, someone, you know, just I'm a parent, you know, I'm a paranoid, you know, bit of a loon. Uh, but I said, I said to myself, I said, well, I, I might as well, I should do a great course about the book. Because I said, you know, maybe the listeners and maybe, you know, maybe most of planet Earth doesn't know about the great bores in history. I mean, they might know about people that were boring and famous and, you know, it's a bit of a, it's not something I can always, you know, I'd rather get paid by great courses to talk about it than, you know, do it for free. Because it's kind of, I kind of swore a few oaths, you know, when I, and people say, okay, does this have to do with the bore downs? I say a bit. And for people that are new, it's another secret. It's like a kind of like Fight Club for boring people like me. Because you think, well, there's only one style. Is there only one way of being boring? Because there's like the dude from Ferris Bueller, there's Grandpa Simpson, and there's Scooter. And I said, well, that's about it. Oh, any other boring? And I said, well, yeah, there, well, there's a whole underground society of us. And we have these things called bore downs. Uh, like rap battles, but without all the good, you know, without the good parts, the rapping you know, the uh, machismo, uh, the, you know, dropping lyrical, you know, rhymes and, you know, wordsmithing. You know, boars are more into word mushing. Uh, Though there are some really great boars, you know, but I don't, you know, I'm jealous of those guys, so I'm not about to give them any airtime. So so if you take a jump back, you say, well, Scooter, yeah, what are your, because I'm more of in the classical I don't know, that one guy, because there's one guy that dresses up in a Socratean outfit, 
And he's gone. Well, he's only been at one bore down because I, I totally, I mopped the floor with his toga. I, I said, I'm going to need that for, and I pretended they just did this hour di- dialogue of me. My, it was so boring. Uh, I think that was in, uh, I think it was in Kansas City. You know, underground, no one, you know, you you wouldn't have heard about it. Because even the people that went, I put them to sleep, even the judges, so I didn't technically win. Because, I mean, in this guy, I'd taken his toga, so you'd think that would be shocking. He fell asleep, and he was probably pretty cold, but he was sitting down. And I had I, I, I had worn a hat, so I had capped him, so it, was, it wasn't too He wasn't 100% exposed. And then I just did a, a narrative about mopping the floor with a toga. So I guess you couldn't say I'm classically, but I guess a boar archetype before we get into the great boars issue. But Ben Stein kind of is one. And a lot of people will know Ben Stein from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off or when Ben Stein's money. And from when Ben Stein's money was revealed, this guy's pretty pretty intelligent guy because not a lot of people were winning his money. And he was witty, but he had like a wit, a really wide knowledge. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him and Ken Jennings just interact. I think that would be good. Uh, and I wouldn't say Ben Stein's an intellectual bore, or like just a pop culture bore. He's kind of, uh, I don't know. I guess he he's a, he's got shades of both of those, and he's got that monotone uh, voice. So he just says, you know. Okay, class. I guess he would be the archetypal. I guess he would be a Sophoclean. Is that what they say when they say Sophoclean? Is that what they, I wish Ben Stein was here to inform me? Uh, but he, you know, he would just drone on like a prof, I guess professor, professorial. Yeah, I guess that's the archetype. And someone out there is like, okay, Scooter got a, a word of the day calendar. The only word he's seen this year was uh, February twelfth. Archetype. He didn't read the definition. He saw the word, though. And I would say you're right on all things, except that was from 2012, the word calendar that I saw today, March 8th, 2012, archetype. Where, yeah, so you're right. But, yeah, so Ben Stein would say, you know, uh, he would probably just be, he would just have an authority, so he'd say, you know, and then the Persian Empire conquered those people. Uh, setting forth the uh, pr- pr- launch of clay jars across the plains and is a use of storage of not only liquids, but also liquids that would turn to a solid lake state such as olive oils. Uh, that would proliferate the, uh, the curing of fish uh, across the region. And at the same time, the uh, increases in temperature of the Adriatic Sea had affected the algae uh, that had carried the uh, fishing stocks from 26 parallels to 42 parallels. Now, if Ben Stein were doing this, he would actually have actual facts tied together with probably some reasonable points. And that was what became of the that was what what would later become the first instances of chewing gum uh, in recorded time. Now those uh, chewing gum interests were were recorded on the same clay jars, thus far spoken.
and they had developed a technique for 48 hours as the clay said it would need to cure to solidify for that long. And at some point, uh, the the clay was also good for cleaning the teeth, so they would chew some of the extra clay after it had hardened for only an hour or two. And they realized very quickly that it helped to clean not only the surfaces of their teeth, but in between their teeth as they chewed the drying clay. And thus it was recorded on the jars that the clay itself was stored. And now the first time the jars were interpreted and uncovered was just 800 years later. But unfortunately, those peoples did not make it for they took the carvings literally and chewed hard clay, thinking it was good for their teeth. Uh, Those are the people that prayed, asked Jake, uh, the Asjakians, and uh, uh, due to the lack of teeth, they were lost. Uh, So that's your Ben Stein. Uh, Even though it's modern history, Ben Stein is a great bore in history. Uh, more of a subconscious influence on me because Ferris Bueller's Day Off was one of my favorite movies of all time. And I did, I, but I more identified with Cameron Fry and, you know, fantasized that I would be Ferris. And I said, well, one day I'll be Ferris where I, I feel at ease in the world. But for now, I'm Cameron Fry, Cameron Fry. Uh, so that's archetype number one. And, you know, be on the lookout for a Stein, Stein, Ben Stein-esque bores. And you could hear, you know, the influence on me even today. And some would say I'm an ignoramus version of Ben Stein. And I would say, well, I, I would agree. I, I, find, I think he's much more intelligent than me. And he obviously has a powerful memory and a way to access that memory. If I have a memory, like I said, my brain has a portion which is, you know, it's it became gobbledygook. Or when it was designed, they said, well, we got a design flaw here. Let's just put this, this, they say, have you heard from the creator what this stuff, it's gobbledygook, it's extra, just stick it in there and then send them down. And I said, well, I thought we were, can we, should we label them as refurbished? No, no, just send him down. Just send him down. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll adapt. That's what these creatures do. They, they're adaptable. I say, yeah, but he's 98% gobbledygook. He's, he's very little gray matter. And they say, weren't you at the seminar about the gray matter? And would you believe that's the next archetype? Angel, boring angel archetype to be a, what was it? Boring angel, B-A-A. I think they had a different name of they, you know, the heavenly creatures. They call BBTC. I think that stands for boring, uh, beloved, transcendental. See, I, I think it's they say don't use the word creatures with us. I think that's what they said to me, and they said don't raise your wings at me, uh, we, Michael or whoever. Why don't you row your boat ashore? And then the guy, actually, he said, that's the one we sent with the gobbledygook, Michael, before you were an archangel, when you were just working on the assembly line. Uh, 
and you were supposed to be in quality control. So I said, irony, even for the angels, how sweet is that? And then he said, just you wait. And I actually knew what he meant. So I said, well, I'll do the service while I can, while I'm here in my earthly condition. So the boring angels, that tends to come from an era, era of not like a, you know, of is kind of superior, I guess, a little bit like a boss or like, an, you know, if you've been detained for some reason uh, or a figure in a film or something that ends in crat, they would say anything that ends in crat. Like, a, I don't know what a technocrat is. I know what a bureaucrat is. And I, I think that's what another thing I called him. I said, you're just an angelcrat. And he said, that's not even a word, a fantasy word. And I said, can you read minds? And no one said anything, so I assumed they could, because, oh, boy. Uh, but, you know, the, the boring angels, they, they would give you a lot of inspirational quotes to live by. Walk the middle road, walking. So I guess it's a little bit ben, like Ben Stein. But I have to maintain an even tone, you know, but they would say, in low, beholden below. The sidewalks while cracked sprout green. And what makes the green grow? But the sun's rays, but without the water from above, there would be no growth. For hence to four, deep under the cracked asphalt, within the earth are roots, sucking the nutrients from the soil, and below the roots is the earth full of nutrients for the grass. And some would say this grass shall not sprout. And some would say it serves no purpose but to create the crack that must be repaired. And there the man comes to repair the crack. Uh, Down the block from the crack within the homes is NBC on ABC, BBC, BBC on FOX. TV watching and every tube. And I know I'm an angel, so I know they're no longer tubes. Passive watching or passive playing. People doing nothing but saying. And see, this angel's starting to sound a bit like Wonka. And, you know, wilder Wonka. Those would criticize the angels' tales, speak from a place of fear. And when that fear is not quenched, for it never will be quenched ever again. And lo, we use that word, and lo, to let you know we're changing the subject to another thing for fields, enrolling fields. And flat fields, terraced fields, baseball fields, fields of dreams, fields of Cecil and Prince. They roll and they roll like a Sumari. And there on the line of the horizon sits the sun, 
and behind it rises the moon in endless cycles. But are they endless and low? You know they are not. But in your time, it seems that way for the illusion of time has been brought on you for you to believe in it so and low. So that's that's the angel archetype. You could also hear it in, you know, in places of worship. Uh, you know, other things like a judge judge could be that they would just probably not say that they would say uh, heretofore withstanding. You know, maybe they'd use a little bit more. Uh, let me see the judge archetype. Uh, it's very similar. It'd be like. Uh, um, you know, knock, 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 knock. Uh, here you call to the stand the uh, people and playlist live incorporated verse. Uh, dear Scooter, uh, this is Mr. Scooter's 500th case before me. And once again, you know, my courthouse does have a dress code, young man. Oh, Your Honor, Your Honor, you don't, you know, you don't have to call me that. You really make a. Uh, am I a plaintiff? Because I'm count. I think. Can I counter suit? Uh, young man, I'm trying to present an example here. Uh, similar to an the angel. Uh, you know, this country has laws. Is built of laws, and you, young man seem to flaunt those things, which is the glue that holds not only all of us together, uh, but one must remember that glue is a binder and, and not just a sticker. And men like you, young man, sometimes forget those things, and that is why the law is here not just to remind you, but to behold you to such facts. And as you cry foul of ignorance or unfairness, know that it is our job not to write the laws and not to interpret the laws, uh, but to bind the laws and the citizenry to those laws to hold us all together. Uh, Your Honor, one question. Do you still have my CB that was under your... Uh, uh, your robe, sorry, I didn't call it a dress. Yeah, I remember that like four years ago when I, I hit that walkie-talkie under there. So then the, the, that would be a, like a judge, which is similar to an angel. But I want to give a specific congrats to one great boar. Ours a sailor, who was a sailor of the seven seas, a pirate, uh, was he? And I'm already in his voice for he lived in a world of piracy. The black sails raised high in the sky as we went from port to port. And I, Oz Azalea, the most boring man on all 18 seas, as I would explain to many ignorant, because so many pirates without manners or knowledge. And I would, actually, I was at the hire of many pirates, for they would capture ships. And as punishment, if pirates were not of the, the strongest cut of crew, 
you know, as reserve pirates for these for for the larger operations of Red Beard, Green Beard, Lady Witch Beard. They would hire me as a sailor. Uh, the most boring sailor, that is what they called me. But for the third shift, uh, which they would keep in a port, so if they lost the first to second cruise, they could come and pick up a few extra. And to keep now pirates are much like the what this young man does to distract you. I distracted some of the, you know, not the fiercest pirates on the seven seas. Over time to time, I had to. Many a tale of Azazela has been told at a, you know, late night with no other pirates listening. But I, Azazela, I would keep the, the, the crews distracted for they would do for a typical day of a third shift pirate. Now, this is different than the day shift and the night shift. This is like a, a think to use your terms. Uh, third string pirates or reserve pirates in uh, a typical day would be doing training, which would tire you out a bit. Uh, then choring, you know, upkeep of the ship, or if we were in port many a times, preparing supplies for the main pirate crew, making sure we had dried beans and dried rice, uh, curing meats and fish, you know, going in for supplies. Lots of scrubbing and repairing, roping, lots of rope rope skills. Uh, but these were normally the worst of the pirates, you know. Maybe not in attitude, but in overall skill. So they couldn't be allowed to lollygag at all, because not not the sharpest pirates either. So there would be no nights of drinking spirits and rum and making merry for these pirates. And these men could not be trusted of their own accord. Oh, no, no. And that's where Azazela come in after the night had set and the port of the land and the sun was gone and the pirates craved uh, the warm embrace of a woman or the warm punch of a glass of pirate rum. Uh, but there would be none for these you uh, third stringer. You're lucky you get yourself a biscuit, I'd say. A biscuit and a tail from old Azazela. I uh, gather around, and they would never gather around me, you know. They would be rumbling and grumbling and puffing their pillows. For as night set, Azazela would get up for his work, his duty. And I would walk the rows of the bunks and tell them my tales. And I would, you know, start much like this young man. I'd say tales. A funny word. I have a funny story about tales. And the good thing was no one would cry. Oh, we've heard this one for hours. A sailor never repeats a tale. Much like the speckled hands of Nova Scotia. That's what tales remind me of, those speckled hens. And some would say they're a tailless bird, but Azazela knows that a tale is not just what you see. A tale is sometimes speckled in the feathers 
and they even, uh, was that a tale of, uh, and I would say, well, I guess I've been untold by but my tale. What was it about the speckled hens I was saying is that the speckled hens have a tale about a pirate who did not mop. I think no, oh no. Azazela would pace. I'm a big pacer. And what I'd learned in my first days of, or I would call it a pirate, this, this, this scooter boy calls it lulling, soothing tones. Uh, Azazela calls it rotting, rotting roans. You like that when I say that, don't you? But I even made a buff on my boots and stomped them with uh, felt in the clippings of the great red beard for luck. And I would pace in silence. That's anyway, I was telling the tale of the speckled hen. Grace, great Goosebeak was the king of the speckled hens in Nova Scotia. In great Goosebeak is pirates are loath to think everyone's a man and they're wrong. Great Goosebeak was a woman, a hen, a speckled hen, you fools, of course. And Great Goosebeak would tell them, I am your girlfriend, all of you speckled hens, in this term meaning all the other speckled hens, male and female. And Great Goosebeak would tell them her tale of how she became the greatest Goosebeak ever to be on a, uh, the, you know, speckled hen, she, now, the great goosebeak, she was a speckled hen, but she wore a goosebeak hat that she had, I guess she had designed it herself. It wasn't made from real goosebeak, thank goodness, uh, because that would be just weirder than that. I, I was, what is a speckled hen make of, I think it was made out of, uh, uh, what do you call those things? Nuts, one of those long nuts. Ride in the sun a nutshell, two nutshells, a goose beak doth make. And if the pirates started to grumble at my tail, I'd get real close. I'd say, would you like a little more pillow talk, pirates, from old Oz Azalea? Who snoozed the sailors, the greatest pirate ever to you know, be in charge of pirates. And, and now I have a great night interrupting my tale, of course, to tell you my tale. For I have a great record for, for never was there a coup in all the days of me running third strings. And you say, well, that doesn't prove anything, Oz. Well, I'll tell you what. Now, this port, uh, the port of Candelabra, was known for having the third-string pirates there. And before old Azazel stumbled into town, well, I was thrown off his ship, because originally I tried to be a pirate, you know. And then I said, I bore these pirates. And it was just a bit like a movie, you know. I, I had my own crew. I was, my father was a moneyed man. I was a huge disappointment, repetitive, repetitive disappointment of my father. And I said, one day, Azalea will make you proud, Papa. One day, I'll be the scourge of the seven seas. And he said, I, he goes, I just want you to will you go move out on your own. You're 30 years old. Stop living with us. 
And I said, I and then I took, you know, my papa's rowboat. And I, anyway, I tried my hand at piracy and I failed. And I said to myself, oh, Cecilia, you're no failure. You're just a failed pirate. You see the difference, don't you? And I, and it was actually, uh, in all the strange, you know, ironies of the world, and in the sensibility of time and space, it was the Lady Witchbeard who told me her tale of uh, being a witch and becoming a pirate. And, you know, she was just, it's too complicated to understand this part. And it's made up, you know, I'm Oz Azalea, pirate storyteller. And they say, you oh, these aren't stories, Oz. It's a bunch of gobbledygook you're spewing. And I say, har, har, hearty, har. But old Oz, I had been thrown off the ship, you know. And I was in the port and I was down. And I had heard of all the coups that had happened before I had got into town. Constantly. And it wasn't much trouble to put these, you know, out. Because these were the most terrible pirates. I mean, the only thing, one of the problems was, you know, they didn't exactly leave the top managers and trainers behind. Uh, but as the uh, colonial empires started to grow, they, you know, the pirates, they had to get to uh, bring the A-game. And they needed more reserves. And they was, why are we going to stop this? And uh, before I'd been thrown off that ship, I was known that they would put me in the sick bay because they, they said, well, we don't dislike you. Oz is your name. I said, Oz is my name. Story, piracy was my game. I'm going to drive me hand to storytelling. And it was old uh, pirate Bronze Bronstein who said, uh, you know, me brother's sick down in the sickest scully. Go down there and talk to me brother. And I would sit down there and I told him, me fi- I said, me pirate sir, I'll tell me finest tales and get him bright as rain. And he said, just go down there. He'll take anything and anybody. He was lonely. And he was a feverish and blubbering. I didn't really listen because I'd be telling me tales. And he would fall back asleep, you know. And so I would tell him me tales over and over again. I, well, actually, as I learned very quickly, he would wake up if I repeated. I'd say, well, I, I you know... I could. I kept changing. I said, "Well, I've only kissed one woman, but I, you know, I kept making up different." He said, "It's the same woman. It's the same story. You just change the location and the name of the woman in your left hand, and you were holding her to right hand, and then you change the hand you were holding." And I said, "Oh," and he said, "Make up a new story." So I started telling the tales, and he would fall back asleep, and soon he became healthy, and he. He was terribly, terribly grateful. You know, and then he, you know, then cannonball, you know, that's all they got to say. But his brother, the captain, or the old pirate pirate captain, he was still, he took a shine to me from then on. And any time anyone got sick, he had me talk to him. And even the doctor, the mad doctor, he was a lunatic, this doctor. But he, he said, Oz, you got something. I don't know what it is. He goes, I don't like listening to it, but my gosh. Because a feverish man, you put him right to sleep. And then 
I started telling the crews, but, you know, then the crews would get too sleepy, you know, and, it, and the captain said, hey, he goes, I got an idea, Oz. And then I attempted, I said, well, I don't know about this. It's not flashy enough for old Oz. And then I wrote a musical, you know, and tried to perform it. That's what got me kicked off the ship. But then the captain, he left board, and he said, wait a second, what these, you know. So that, and that's how he landed me job here. You know, keeping these crews, you get them through the night, you get them, you get them worked, get them to sleep, get them up, get them worked, get them to sleep. You know, if we lose some pirates, we'll come get these losers, that's what they say. And that's how I've crafted and it cut me teeth. If I had any teeth to cut, I'd tell you, that's how old Oz, uh, the pirate, you know, I'm the pirate tale. And you might be saying to yourself before you drift away, you want to hear the end of that lovely tale about the speckled hen. Oh, Lady Duck, Beer Breath, or whatever we, I, I remember that tale like it was on the back of me hand, old lady, uh, queen, uh, duck, duck, duck cap. And, uh, yeah, she was a, she was quite a, quite a queen. She, they would say, why, I don't know, Oz, there's no speckled ends in Nova Scotia that I know about. I'd say exactly, but there's ducks, isn't there? So, well, I'm not so sure about that either. I'd say, well, you're wrong. And lady, because what happened was, uh, they speckled the hens in the tail. They said, well, they said, well, it's nice being speckled. And, uh, you know, we can hide. But now that we've been, uh, you know, domesticated by these fine humans, do we really need our speckles? And it was Lady uh, Duckhead. She said, well, why don't we keep our speckles and make ourselves hats? And then they, they, once the humans realized that the ducks, oh, they said, wait a second, where are all our speckled hens now? We've got a... A house full of ducks, and then you clocked like uh, speckled hens once again, and that's why they shipped them out. They said we've got the most strangest. They thought it was some sort of speckled hen illness, you know, that they turned to ducks, and so that's a way that uh, that's what what a pirate tale is like. When you need to put a pirate to rest, you could you can use uh, hens. Oh, you know, I like to tell tales of a wise, you know, these ones you have to be spread out. Why, many a pirate child, if especially when there's some younger pirate recruits, you know, I like to use them to, when they're still awake, you know, I have to engage them for a bit. So I say, I say, yeah, there's a young pirate, many a young pirate asks me, why is the sea so salty, Oz? Tell us a tale of how the salt got in the sea. And I say, oh, that's a good tale before uh, you go to sleep. It's a good one to hear. For it has to do with, now, has your mother ever cried before? Have you ever cried and then kissed your mother? Or you've ever tasted your own tears? You know, the salty that you know. Every pirate knows that a mother's tears are salty and bitter. Especially when you're the cause of it. One day, up in the heavens, the great mother of the sky, her name was Magdalena, and she had a boy who was named 
Wars, and he was the uh, the godchild of warm sun and smiles. And Oz decided he wanted to be a racer and run through the heavens every day. And his mother said, no, Oz, you, you cannot run. You're not very fast. Just stay and keep the people warm, for they smile when they feel your warm smile on the face, and the crops grow when you smile on the face. But Oz, he had other ideas, and he started to run and run. And soon, uh, the places he was supposed to shine grew very cold. And there had been these lovely creatures his mother loved so much called dinosaurs. And these dinosaurs were half bird and half lizard. And they were known to sing to the mother in the sky, sing songs Squawks, a bit like speckled hens, a bit, a bit, a bit, yes, sir. But there was nothing the mother of the sky loved but to look down and see her earth filled with her dinosaurs, running and dancing and evolving. She loved it so, but they depended on old Urza's son to warm their faces and keep their bodies warm. So when Urza started running around the earth, and not staying in one place, thinking he was fast, but he was so slow, so he would be away from one side of the earth for so long. The dinosaurs, they grew cold, and they went into a deep, hibernating slumber, where the mother in the sky began to worry, and she said, well, I'll change you into a milky, oily substance to keep you safe. And one day you'll burn with the fire that my my petulant son Oars once gave you. And then she said, well, I'll need to cover them with earth. And then she said, they'll be safer if I keep them warm with something uh, on top. Once my son tires out from running, he's not even good at running. And so she began to cry and cry and cry. And soon all the basins of the world filled up with her tears. And those became our seven seas. And that is why the seas are so salty. And that is the end of me tale, my friends, of why. And it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm, you know, Oz and your friend. And I'm going to give it back. Oh, no, he said just finish it out, Oz. Ah, so that's how a pirate tells a tale as you rest. And you know that you are the best as you rest. You know that Oz is here to keep you entertained and distracted. And then one day down the road, another man will come and, and do just like me for your your people. It's not an easy job, but Oz loves it so. You know, I couldn't cut it as a pirate. I couldn't cut it as a whatever they had. I said, you know, as my father's son, you know, he said, oh, you're not good at... And I said, but Papa, I, I, I'm I, good at loving you. And he said, but I am a good teller of a dull tale. And there's nothing wrong with that in me book. And this is ours saying goodnight to all of you. But the man with the pod will be coming back with some thank yous soon. Good night.
I want to thank all our new patrons, Z, uh, Paula G, uh, Sujata, thank you and good night. Cameron, thank you and good night. Paul V, thank you and good night. Jesse, thank you and good night. Good night, thank you, Gary. Good night to Elise and thank you. Uh, Brenda, thank you and good night. Uh, Lisa D, thank you and good night. Amy D, thank you and good night. Michelle, thank you and good night. Uh, Joshua, thank you and good night. Uh, Tori, thank you and good night. Emily, thank you and good night. Sue, thank you and good night. Melissa P, thank you and good night. Pedro, thank you and good night. MW, thank you and good night. Claire, thank you and good night. Corey R, thank you and good night. Uh, Timothy K, thank you and good night. Steve D, thank you and good night. Heidi A, thank you and good night. T, thank you and good night. Todd F, thank you and good night. Glenn R, thank you and good night. All right, I want to thank all our PayPal supporters. Jennifer D, thank you and good night. Patricia M, thank you and good night. Constance, Constance, thank you and good night. Larissa G, thank you and good night. Maxine, thank you and good night. Anna Maria, thank you and good night. Mark B, thank you and good night. Warren M, thank you and good night. Uh, Joe A, thank you and good night. Joel D, thank you and good night. Catherine S, thank you and good night.